You know, as we look in, and, and when we go into the fall season, obviously tonight is, is, is Halloween, right? So I felt like tonight would be a good time to talk about a fear that kind of deals with some of the things that we go through pretty much day to day if we're praying about something and we're worried about the outcome. You know, as we look at this month, it, it really, this is a month that capitalizes on fear. And, you know, the devil loves to, to get our minds and our eyes on the things that, that are down the road, endless scenarios that could go bad. That's where he wants us to focus. Amen. And the way we see things going in, the way we see God going into a trial, the way we see God going in to some particular area that we may be partaking in with, as far as suffering is concerned, is going to be the way that we interpret what we're going through. I'll give you some examples in a, in, in a minute. I can remember two instances very clearly. You know, obviously waiting on test results with, you know, my dad or my mom or when Shannon would, would you know, would go for uh, the ultrasounds. As you go down the road a little bit, you will tend to look at those situations fearfully. You will tend to begin to form a mentality of negativity, of worry, of doubt, because of the experiences that we have dealt with. And it could be very traumatizing. You know, I would worry about things like if, if Shannon was not having morning sickness, or if my dad would move a certain way, if there was pain involved, or, you know, you always were, were looking through the eyes of fear. Fear now became a new normal. And if you go through something in life, and especially if you go through things uh, maybe in the same area, you will tend to be fearful, and it will tend to map out the way you will see that. So in other words, your attention will now be captured in a negative bent. You, you will now have a new focus and a new awareness of that situation. And it will also cause you to deal with other people in that way. I'll give you another example. You know, if you've had a child and maybe you struggled to have a child and it took a while, well, you will tend to form a mentality if you're talking to a, a young married couple and say, you need to start trying early because you don't know what's going to happen. In other words, that experience will now shape a philosophy in fear and you will look at that as your new normal. You will look at it as, well, this is how it's going to be. You know, I always look at when people get pregnant, I'm like, wow, that that's amazing. You know, like it seems so hard to, you know, you start to see it as, but really it's it's a normal process of life. But when you go through things in that nature, you will start to see it that way. You know, if you dealing with chest pains and maybe you've gone to the doctor and they've given you a report, well, that will cause you to be fearful every time you have some type of chest pain and you will begin to see things. Or if you're a hypochondriac, if I hear that you're suffering or that, I will start feeling that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wonder how many people tonight are keenly aware of something and have it has a new mentality about something that might be coming down the road. I'll give you another example. My uncle died in a drunk driving accident when he was 17. So was my mom's brother. So growing up, my mom was always fearful because that was now a normal part of life. So anytime I would go out, she would say, hey, can you call me when you get here and call me when we get, you know, when I get somewhere? And they didn't have cell phones, you know, easily accessible. Uh, but I would have to call from a party or call from wherever I was at. And I recognized that that was the normal. Like that was almost an expectation. It was such a traumatic experience that she began to view that as an, as a real possibility. Think about if a husband or a wife and there's some unfaithfulness there. Now you will see everything through the lens of suspicion or you will view relationships or you will give advice in relationships like you better look at their phone you better do this because now you have a fearful circumstance that is now projected on someone else and you will now see that thing the way that 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 it it may not be and so when we look at the things that we go through it becomes a life becomes like new soil that our interpretations grow out of now it becomes pessimistic we become, we start to think, well, this is how it's going to be. I remember talking with Pastor Todd. He was telling me that someone had lived, you know, say they were 57 and 
they had the brother had a heart attack and he was like 56. And so he, he's, he's probably said that from behind the, 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 the pulpit. But he was like, he said the guy's like, man, I'm 57. I'm living on borrowed time. In other words, his mindset had now become so fearful and that became his new normal. So I want to unpack, unpack tonight how we interpret life through fear and how it actually impacts us in our time of suffering and trouble. Number one, fear will begin to rule how we think. You see, suffering kidnaps our thoughts and it ransoms our emotions and action. So we begin to see it. Uh, uh, you know, we, our mind goes to that thing. We're always thinking about something. Even when you're not thinking, when your mind drifts to something, that is what's really consuming you. That is what's weighing down on you. I can think about in Genesis 15, uh, in, if you read it uh, on your own time, when Abraham was wanting a child, the Bible says that Abraham was fearful. Now, think about as we go down the road in the story, Abraham finally has a son and God asked him to sacrifice his only son. Now, I would think that fear may try to creep back in with him, right? He might have said, you know, think about the endless pregnancy test, right? All these years, up to 90 years old, trying to have a kid and, and think about all the thought process. You see, the Bible is, is, is an amazing book and people actually live their lives throughout their book. And a lot of times we don't see the backstory. We don't see the day to day of, of what actually goes on in the lives of the patriarchs. In Genesis 22:46, it says, on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young, to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Now listen to another part of the narrative in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. And it is, it was he to whom it is said, and Isaac your descendant shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. You know, when you look at that word consider, that's a battle. We go through things in life and the battle of perspective is in the college of consideration. We're considering what God is doing here. We are considering how this is going to pan out, right? We are considering the issues that, that it will affect. We're looking at all of these things, but we're looking at them through a, a, a view of the experiences that we've gone through. Look at Abraham. Leading up to the birth of his son, he could have went back to every time she would have her cycle, right? He could say, man, it, this could have been it. And I'm sure as you're getting older, we look like 90 years old. That's no big deal back then, but that's still pretty big deal. You know, I mean, I don't know of anybody that had a baby at, in their 90s, but it would be very easy for Abraham to stay rooted in fear, much less when God is, is telling him to go and do this, to automatically go back and say, man, I'm fearful. But look at the mentality he went into that, that test and that trial and that suffering with. He went into it saying, me and my kid are coming back down here. That's amazing. How many of us do that? We get some bad experiences and that is what we bring. And that's the point that I'm trying to drive home. Because this, what we're talking about tonight is the day-to-day -day thought processes that you and I will go through in trials and suffering and fear and whatever. So if you if you pay attention tonight, I think you will walk away with some things that you can apply to your life daily. See, Abraham chose to keep a faithful outlook. You know, when you go through something, I, I can give you an example once again. I hate to keep bringing up the miscarriage thing, but I, there's a lot there. When I would when we would have one miscarriage, it was easy to take that fear into the next one. It was easy to take that expectation into the next one. But it wasn't until down the road with it that I started to, it's like the Lord was telling me, Kelly, learn to isolate experiences. You know, when, when my dad would go from 
a test result and his numbers would be high. You know, when you're, you're looking at CEA levels and sometimes it would be high. Well, it was easy to go into that full of anxiety, full of fear. You may be going through a situation now and, and you, you're maybe waiting on test results. You're going from one thing to the next. Can I encourage you tonight? Isolate that incident. Isolate that thought process. Isolate that test result and always keep your heart postured towards a good expectation from God. So when troubles spring up, what is the attitude that you have going into the situation? That is how you are viewing God. You see, we bring what we believe about God to the table of every trial, everything we suffer through, and ultimately how the trial ended up going. You may not want to admit that, but we do. If God is in, if we look at God as a bystander, just sitting on the sideline, watching us go through things, it will cause us to resent God, right? We'll say, why are you not doing anything? If you are fearful of God and you think that God is pounding on you, you will not want to go to him because you fear fearful of him. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to feel like God is against you. I know that. I know that's what he does. That is one of his tricks. He will come to you and say, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, he'll lay out a big list of things that have happened to you. And he'll say, exhibit A, B, C, D, all the way down the list. And faithful saints that have gone through so much will not even look at that list. And they'll keep their eyes on heaven. And it is amazing when you see them suffering all the way down to their last breath and their glorifying God. I was telling someone earlier, because we were talking about, you know, the, the possibility of, of passing on. And, and we, we, you know, I heard the story of Miss Kit. That is lion's den stuff. When you think about martyrs that are chained and, and they're lighting the fire and they are glorifying God. Oh, my goodness. And we get we throw a fit if the DVR doesn't record a game. I mean, we <laughs> we need to start to look at things. Through a better and bigger perspective. Listen, I love God with all of my heart. And I remember seeing my dad getting up here saying, Jesus is my best friend. Less than a week before he would die. Oh, my goodness. That is where when you can get a, a such a high view of God, when you realize that he is all knowing, all powerful, all the, the most beautiful the most beautiful, the most glorious picture that you and I could even see in our finite mind is the bottom of God's shoes. It's nothing that we can even compare. So when we are going through things, what we need to do is always keep a high view of God, a high perspective of God. We don't need to feel like God is betraying us. We don't need to feel like God is throwing us off to the side. We don't need to feel like God is keeping us in a ditch. So here's the life application for this point. Retool each battle with a fresh expectancy and let faith be there for a good outcome and let that be your thought process. In other words, when you have a negative thought process, go to that process. Number two, your focus will stimulate where you settle in prayer. Think about this. I can tell you when you're fearful, you will tend to drift back to that thing. I did that many times in here. You, I, when it, I was waiting for test results, I'd come in here, shut all the lights off, put worship music on, and worship my face off. But the, it was the biggest battle from going from glorifying God to worrying about a situation, right? To going back to that thing. There's a connection between what you mentally fear and what you dwell on. You know, when you're not thinking about something, Whatever it is that keeps pulling you is what's consuming. And so we need to be thinking about ways to fill that void. Because what it does is it depresses you. It makes you think, what's the use? It, it keeps you on pins and needles. It frustrates you. You're, you're not able to acknowledge God, much less believe his word. Because now you have bought into a narrative that God is negative and the situation is not going to pan out. And it becomes a way of, of, an, of an outlook, and it kills your faith. 
So when you begin to drift to the negative scenarios, can I encourage you to focus your attention on God? It's easy to pan out a scenario. I mean, you will go like it's probably going to go this way and then this will probably happen and this one will be upset and this will happen. And then what am I going to do? And then you start looking down the road. And next thing you know, you're 30 years down the road from a scenario that was not even going to really happen. We just assumed it would. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. The more you focus on what you're fearing, the bigger that thing will become and the smaller God will look in our own view. The truth of the matter is God towers over everything that we could possibly fear. Our greatest fear is a gnat in the grand scheme of Almighty God. The truth is, when we start to go through these endless scenarios, we're really acknowledging that we're not in control. And the truth of the matter is, we are not in control. So from A to B or A to C, you got to fill in the gap with B with how powerful and how amazing God is. It takes just as much time to focus on the negative outcome as it does on the positive outcome. It's where we choose to put our thought process. Think about this. You've seen a globe. You've flew before, possibly. and You flew over water, went to sleep, woke up, you were still over water. God holds the seven seas in the palms of his hand. He weighs the mountains and the hill. He threw the stars and named every one of them against the darkness of the night. He breathed on a handful of dust and we exist. Think about it. God is all powerful. I want you to lift your faith tonight. I want you to lift your faith. If you think God is distant or you think he is small, that thing that is in your life or troubling you will beat you into the ground. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better is little with the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord than great and rich treasure and trouble with it. Just a little bit of fear, heavenly fear, glorious fear, looking at God. I mean, when your mind begins to drift to that, just stop what you're doing. Focus on how big God is. When you focus on how big God is, your problem stays the same, but you will see it differently. If you see it differently, you approach it differently. You pray about it differently, right? It begins to let faith rise on the inside of you. A lot of times it's not what's going to change that's going to make it better. It's what you see differently about it. It's how you view God in it. I'm trying to give you something that you can apply. Because listen, there's some things I'm telling you. I know what it looks like to look at complete darkness and complete chaos and hopelessness. And you may know what that's like too. But that doesn't, that doesn't, that does not change God. And you will get through that thing. I promise you, if you keep moving forward with your eyes on God, when you believe that about God, it takes, He takes center stage of what is troubling us. You know, people, you hear people say, well, man, I don't understand the Bible. It's too deep. It's, you know, all that theology stuff. Listen, theology is the study of God. That's all it is. It's knowing God. But those are the greatest times when you are able to dig and dig into the word of God and mine up the jewels that we, that, that God is saying, this is me in this situation. This is what I'm doing in this situation. But I think a lot of the problem is that some of us are just lazy. Right? Some of it, we, we haven't gotten to a point where we had to find an answer. We hadn't gotten to a point where we said, I need to know what God is saying here. Or we rather the God that we, that we create, the puppy dog, the one that we just pet, right? But listen, when you focus on the God of the Bible, I'm telling you, God is telling you what to think in this situation. You don't have to go to some hopeless thought or some philosophy or some catchphrase. You can go to the word of God because God will back his word. Amen. It is beneficial in seeking out who God is into relation of what he is doing 
and through and going through your life. So when you're looking at something and you think that God is detached, you think that there's some rogue attack that has come out of nowhere, you start to think like, God, what are you doing? But if you realize that God is perfect, that he's loving, that he's wise, that he knows everything, that nothing, there's not a molecule that can get outside of his sight. And you know that he is on his throne. He's not wringing his hands. He's not saying, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I didn't realize this was going to happen. It settles you. That's what we need. We need to be settled in situation, in situations. We need to be trusting that no matter what the outcome of a certain situation is, we know that God is in control. Whether we like the way it turns out, the way we, we, it's like we're sli- slipping down a slippery slope of, of fear and doubt. But it's during those moments, if we just hold on, God will begin to show us things about ourselves and about Him. See, God sees what we don't see. Right? God can do what we cannot do. So when your mind goes to a negative scenario, don't let it shipwreck you. Because what you know about God is the anchor in the sea of fear and worry that ain't, that really holds on and keeps your boat steady. Right? Have you ever seen people that have gone through the ringer? And they are just steady as can be. Do yourself a favor and sit at their feet and say, talk to me. Tell me what you are doing. Tell me, tell me your thought process. Right? So this is what you do when you begin to go to the negative. Stop what you're doing in worship. Worship God for number one, for just who he is. Just who he is. When you start to think, but you won't know who he is until you read. You don't know how he created the world. You don't know all these things that when he, when he split the, the, the sea and everybody walked through on dry ground. I mean, have you ever thought about that? I bet you that sea was pretty muddy. I didn't see them getting stuck in the mud, right? They walked on dry ground. One person said, oh, the Red Sea was very low, uh, so probably only three feet. Well, God drowned a whole army in three feet of water, which is even more glorious if you think about it. And then worship him for what he is capable of doing. Instead of negative, endless scenarios, think of positive, endless scenarios. When fear takes you by the hand and escorts you to the movie that it wants you to play over and over, grab fear by the hand and bring it to God. Let God hold on to it and you and I go to bed. Amen? I can't tell you how many times the tossing and turning and worrying and waking up at two, waking up at three, right? You've been there. During those moments, God, I trust you. God, I worship you. God, I honor you. I'm not thinking about what's happening at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm not worried about what the, what the, what the test results are going to be at 9. I'm going to worship you in the here and in the now. I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to honor you. And at 10 o'clock when I wake up or 9 o'clock, I'm going to worship you then. You know what I've learned? Is that we got to keep, instead of going throughout the whole day, when you're going through something, Break those times down within your day. If you got a doctor's appointment at four, don't wake up at nine o'clock drinking Maalox. Worship God for that time and block it out till 12. And when you get to 12, get a new thought process till four. But don't let it tank you and sink your ship and your day is ruined. You're in depression. You have no ability to worship God because you are, you are stuck in the mud of something that may not even happen. Amen. Open his word and see this perfect God I'm talking about. Open. He's trying to tell you, this is me in this situation. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm about. This is how I, how I feel about you. This is what I can do. How much worry has robbed God of worship? How much worry has robbed you of the ability to worship God? Focus on worshiping him than the scenarios. And I'm telling you this because it, it took me a while. Because it, your, your thoughts go to it, right? It just does. I can remember right here laying across like I was going to throw up in so much worry and fear. And I would just press through and keep worshiping. Number three, don't be surprised by the spiritual warfare. Our present world is flooded by spiritual warfare. October is one of the highest months for all the tragedies in the world. You can go back and look that up. 
But actually, if you think about it, one of the greatest movements in the history of mankind happened on October 31st. The Protestant Reformation. The just shall live by faith. The door was kicked open and God said, come on in. If you think about that, in the greatest, darkest moments of history, look at this jewel that you and I now own in our belief system with God. For us, fiery darts will come. Negative emotions will come, right? Our own thoughts will come. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. The devil's sitting on a hammock somewhere sipping tea, and we're just worried. We're we're trying to rebuke him. He's like, man, that's you. I'm not even giving you those thoughts. We could create our own thoughts. On the top of that, you have scenarios that come our way. The devil is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. First Peter in 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial you are going through, as if something strange were happening. Instead, be very glad that these trials make you partners with Christ in suffering. You know, I was thinking, you know, when we go through something, it's easy for a vice to come down the road. It's easy for a new situation. If anybody's dealt with addiction, you'll know that if just the right storm comes, that thing will pop up. And that ability, and right, it's just like it's just shining, whether no matter what it is, drinking, no matter if it's drugs. All of these things. It reminds me of, I don't know if you remember Good Time. Remember Luton Lenny? Right? He would just open his jacket and he was like, I have all you need. So when we're being crippled by a trial, don't be, don't be surprised when devil, when the devil can just, just send a crutch your way or an old acquaintance. Man, I've just been thinking about you for the last, you know, it's been 10 years and I, you know, all of a sudden they're on your front porch and, and, you know, they have some cocaine or something and it's like, and that's what you were struggling with, just to say. So I know, I know people that do. I do not. But just to say, <laughs> yeah, be careful. But you ever, yeah, have you ever noticed that in the right moment that the, that thing will pop up, whatever it is, that person will pop up. And you know how many people, number one, have gone back into some type of addiction in the most trying time of their life or got shipwrecked in a relationship that they walked back from? Can I encourage you to buckle down in those moments? And listen, I was telling someone this in my office the other day. Sometimes you just have to do what is right. It's not about if God's going to bless me and all. It's the right thing to do, so you just got to do it. Because fear will attack your mind and it will stir your emotion and cripple you. That's what happens. You start to think about it, then you start to feel a certain way, and then now you got to go do something about it. And many times that's where God is the closest. And we we walk away from him because we are spiritually burnt out or weary. First Peter 4.19, Therefore, those who also suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator and doing what is right. We don't know what God is doing during our times of suffering or trial or, or something that we're worried about panning out. And a lot of times we can do something and take that thing in the ditch. I know people, man, that they're in a situation and they make the absolute wrong decision. And it's like they took a, a jet plane and went straight the other way and destroyed everything and it got worse. And you know what? Sometimes it's not even as bad as what you think that thing was going to be. But now you have a trail of bodies everywhere behind you. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not lose heart. That's a lot in that verse. And grow weary and faint, acting nobly and doing right. For in due time, at the appointed season, there's a season that's coming. And you just have to keep your mind focused on that as well as me. And it says, if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Sometimes, you know, you're just going and going and you're praying and you're worshiping. And then the next day you're worshiping and worshiping. And all of a sudden you just get worn out. And once again, that fear comes back. Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going, right? Just keep going. Whatever you're going through, ride it out. I always see that little picture of the bird that has his head down 
while the storm is coming. I think that's a great picture sometimes of what we're going through. And be careful the decisions we make during those times of spiritual warfare. Number four, fear grabs your face and says, only look at this, right? You just like count your many blessings, name them one by one. You're like, I have, I'm so whipped right now. I don't even know the, the, the last blessing God did. That's easy. The devil wants to rock you to sleep in discouragement. In a battle with Goliath, remember the lion and the bear rug you have in your house. Remember that. There are things that you can go back to and say, man, God delivered me from here. God stopped this from happening, and, and, and this did not happen. Right? We don't know what God has spared us from. We do not know. But there are times where you know God has moved in your life. Let me see your hand if God has done something in your life that you can go to. Amen. Praise God. You can go to that thing. You can go. Listen, there's a, once again, old cliche alert. <laughs> new levels, new devils, right? You'll be surprised what you can fight as you get down the road. You know where that's happening at? In the trials that you go through. You're, you're building up your endurance. You're building up your faith. Look at what it says. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Listen, you cannot arm yourself with an old fear to fight a new battle. Go into that thing with a perspective. Listen, I thought about this. We don't know if there was ever a wolf that came and actually took a, 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 a sheep from David. We don't know. We don't know if David lost a sheep. We, we don't, there's so many things in the Bible that's not there, but David doesn't go to that thought process, right? He goes straight. He's like, the lion and the bear, the next, next natural progression in my thought is this Goliath dude is nothing. So how many times when we get into a battle, we go to the negative and we totally forget one of the biggest miracles that God has ever done in our life. And all of a sudden we like, I don't know if he can do that again. If you don't think that happens, look at Israel's history. They serve God. He, he pours out his blessing. Next thing you know, they, it gets good. They turn their back on God and they keep going the other way. And it's like a cycle. Well, we, you know, we look at, at that and say, man, if we saw God split the Red Sea, there's no way I would fall away. But how many things have God, has God done in your life? I, the gospel has changed you. You know who you were. <laughs> I know me who I was. I can't just do that. You can't just change yourself. God has done that. And that is, once again, the greatest miracle that God can do. Listen, fear will assault your mind and your emotion will follow. So you got to combat it with faith. You got to combat it with no fear, but looking at God. David didn't go into the battle saying, oh, man, I wonder if the giant does this. He said, you know what? I'm just I'm walking out and I'm going to believe God is going to deliver this giant into my hand. I don't see him taking uh, rocks and practicing and putting up a target. I, we don't see that. He grabs what he needs to grab. He goes into the front. He's looking at this idiot in, in front of him who's blaspheming God. And he says, you know what? I'm done here. And he takes him out. Think about that. Do we have that kind of faith? That's where we need to get. Choose to not forget the past victories and don't dwell on a fearful outcome. Once again, I'm trying to drive this point because this really does help you. There's a life application I want to give you and we're wrapping up here. In Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19, I want you, I want to read these to you in, in the Amplified. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, though the product of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet, and will make me walk not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. If you read that verse in the Amplified, man, it's, it, it spells out what we've been talking about. 
Now understand in these times, a famine meant sure destruction. It destroyed everything economically. It destroyed the family. There's a, there's a, a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where these people would have to eat the leather of their shoes or even eat other human beings, including their own kids. So famines were nothing to play with. They didn't have any UN coming in and helping. They didn't have America coming in. It, you, if God did not come through in this situation, it was over for you. So two things, either he had complete denial or he knew something that we should take care of. And here's what we should know. Number one, suffering is not the end all. God is. God is. God has the last say on every matter and he is not bound by our fears. He's not bound by our fears. If you remember Peter sinking, Imagine that you're sinking after you've stepped out of the boat. Jesus used his greatest fear, the thing that was killing him, as a sidewalk to deliver him. Nothing is too hard for God. God can make lemonade into lemons, right? And he could freeze boiling water. God could do anything. There's nothing God cannot do. He is not bound by any impossibility. What would you ask God for in your situation right now if you really believe that God could do what you want him to do? That's the expectation we go to God with. And listen, I am not the poster boy for everything working out. But I can tell you, I believe this because it did not work out. There was times I just had to grind it out. I had to just grind out perspective. And I'm telling you this right now. If you want help in whatever you're going through, wrestle with it. Wrestle with the verses. Wrestle with God to gain the right perspective. If you can get the right perspective in what you are going through, you are winning the battle. I don't know if you, if you're there yet, but one day you, you will be forced to deal with something that is, that is, you feel like is crippling you. And God will show up. Sometimes we want the outcome to be what we want. But you know, you get to a point where you just like, God, this is what I would like you to do. This is how I wish it would turn out. But God, I trust you. No matter what you choose to do, I love you no matter what you choose to do. I'm not living for me. I'm not trying to build my own kingdom. I want to build your kingdom. And God, if it takes building your kingdom on a, on some type of testimony in suffering, have your way. Cause I will glorify you with everything in me. And listen, there's coming a day when we will stand before God and it will all make sense. It will be beautiful. It will be perfect. There will be no question unanswered, and we will say, wow, look what God did. Can we have that mentality right now? That's the battle of perspective. If your plumb line is God is perfect, he is wise, I don't know what he's doing, but I know he cannot make a mistake. I don't know what he's doing in your situation. I don't know what he's doing in my situation, or even the situations to come, but I can choose to think that God is going to do something that will glorify himself, which, listen, that's the chief end of man. If you look at the Westminster Catechism, that's what it says. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's beautiful. If we live our life glorifying God and enjoying him, you think God's in heaven saying, I just want y'all to be miserable. God is saying, listen, I want you to understand the things that you do not presently understand. In fact, he says, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not yet know. So the battle of perspective is, God, what are you doing here? God, this happened. What's going on in this situation? How can I help in this situation? How can I use this test, cliche alert, for a testimony, right? Listen, sometimes we can't pick our ministry. 
God says, this is what I have for you. And I'm telling you, I will give you all the power and every ounce of grace that you need. And we don't know what stands on the other side of the pearly gates of the worst thing that you and I have ever been through. But we can know that it's going to be a good thing. We can know that it's going to be powerful. And when we look at Jesus in the face, I'm telling you, it will all melt away. Every, the Bible says that all the things that we suffer are not even worthy to be mentioned. Think about that. How big is some of the things we're going through right now? When we get to heaven, it's going to be like, I don't remember the greatest tragedy that I suffered because I'm in perfect glory. See, Habakkuk had the right view of God. This is, I'm talking about the day-to-day thought process. I'm not saying it's going to go away. I'm saying if you arm yourself with these thoughts and these ways that the Bible wants us to think, we got to get away from surface level believing and really go down deep to biblical thinking. Number two, God is in control. Sometimes we feel like we are life's punching bag, right? Sometimes it's not fair. It doesn't work out like you think. But if you can get the perspective and say, God, then what do you want to do here? What's your plan here? Because I know that it's perfect because you are perfect. So the, the issue is getting us in tune with God and just letting him be God. The greatest fear that you and I have now will buckle in front of God. But listen, if you don't know God, your greatest fear here is nothing compared to what's coming down the road for you. I want to encourage you tonight. If you don't know this great God that I'm talking about through the power of Jesus Christ, it is not going to be good as this thing goes down the road. But if you know God, it is all good as you go down the road. You will see, I mean, I'm telling you, we're going to get in some some ruts. We're going to go through things. We're going to deal with sickness. But God said that he will take us through every single one of those things. Because this is what Habakkuk said. He is the God of my salvation. Listen, I don't understand how you can brush your teeth with black toothpaste and it whitens it. Right? You've been seeing that on TV? <laughs> like, once again, catchphrase alert. I don't know how a black cow, right, you know the story, makes white milk, eats green grass and yellow butter, but I'm not going to not eat butter. Number three, this is my favorite point, and this is it. The peace giver is always there. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Listen, this peace that you experience in your greatest trial is an evidence that you belong to him because it ain't given to the world. It's given to you. Jesus says multiple times, fear not, fret not about tomorrow. Don't worry. Be not afraid. Why? Because he's right there with us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. You have to understand when this is said, they're watching, they're watching a feast go on. And Jesus is saying, he's like, he's shouting it out to everyone. Come to me, all who Labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will, e- look what it says in the Amplified. I will ease, relieve, and refresh your souls. Yoke up with Christ. Let his word guide you. Let his thoughts guide the situation. Matthew 8, 28, M- Matthew 28, 20. Listen, I love this part. I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to very close and consummation consummation of the age. So let it be. And I want to, one more verse. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. 
Then he says, assuredly not. I think God's trying to get us to see this. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. This verse are where fear, worry, and doubt come face to face with a little tykes Duraflex car that if it hit a mailbox would explode, comes right in contact with a Mack truck. Sorry if you have a Duraflex car. Listen, I know this verse seems like a contradiction. I will not in any way fail you. You may feel as if God failed you. But this is what I'm talking about. You got to wrestle with it. If it says he didn't fail you, he didn't fail you. That's the perspective. Because if that's not right, then it's also I'm not with you. I'm not with you. I'm not with you. You see, you can't believe one part of the verse and not the other. We don't know what God is doing. Could somebody get cancer to sit in a, in a chair of a chemo treatment? Can God trust us with this? All the, all the suffering to sit next to somebody that doesn't know God. In fact, maybe even hates God to look at you and you begin to witness to him and they come to know Jesus. Can God trust us with something like that? Cause listen, that's not the thought process when you're sitting in a chemo chair. That's not the thought process. You're, you're looking at how it's affecting you. But if you have a perspective, if you know God, right? Right? Live free. You know, we live free from the vices of this world. You can live free from the mentalities of this world that it's all about us. Find your purpose. It might be sitting in a chair witnessing to somebody and make a difference in that person's life then listen, it is all worth it because once again, it's not worthy to be compared, the things that we're going through, when we stand next to that person that was in the chair beside us and say, man, if I would have never got cancer, this person would never be in the kingdom of God. That's the kind of faith and perspective I'm talking about that we need to get to. What an honor to suffer for the King of Kings. Amen? Can we stand? We might look at it as a letdown. Wrestle with that. God, what are you doing here? God, this is how I feel about it. God, I don't want this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to deal with this. That's okay. God says, I understand that. And as you thought, go through that thought process, God is faithful, right? He will bring the proper perspective. And you never know. Man, I think about things all the time. When people go through something, they press on, they keep going through, and next thing you know, that season's over with, right? And maybe they're healed, and they go about their business. But listen, you and I will never go to the place. Nobody's going to choose suffering. Nobody's going to choose sickness. No one. None of us would. None of us would say, I'll take that, right? You know, when, when people say, if God never answered another prayer, he's, be careful, that we don't live that out because I don't know that he would do that, but he's still glorious if he never does. Amen. Listen, my hope is not settled here. It's in heaven. The more things that we lose here, the more things that, that, that get shaken, it detaches us from the world. When our loved ones are ready to pass on, we grieve as those who we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We know, you know, I was talking to, to somebody a while ago too about this. It's like in eternity, there's no time. So if somebody passed away 20 years ago and we die 30 years later, then we might just be walking through the gate with them. A day is as a thousand years. We don't know. But listen, if you have this mindset and things start to shake up here, God's intention is to keep you focused on heaven. God's intention is to keep you looking at the eternal. 
And we get so stuck in things in this world, our trinkets and our toys and our ambitions and all these things. And God's taking that from us by shaking things up and everything that we put our faith and trust in. God is not trying to be mean. He's trying to say, look, I'm about to come. I'm I'm fixing to do great and mighty things. I need you looking at me so you have the faith and the power to go out and do what I've called you to do. Amen. Suffering is a tool that forms an unbreakable bond between you and your Savior. Now you might be here. I want every head closed. <laughs> head closed. Every head bowed. And I, hey, you, you trying to do it, Mr. Girl. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, if you could say that I do not know Jesus and I want to know him tonight, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I know it's Wednesday night. We normally have a lot of believers that are here. Amen. I see your hand. Father, I just come. Come on, let's just pray. Let's just renew this this fresh commitment. Father, we just come in the name of your son, Jesus. God, we acknowledge you as Lord. We acknowledge you as master. God, we are thankful for the the, the trials and tribulations of our life. God, we are thankful for the blessings that you choose to give us. God, we are thankful that we are your children. And God, I'm asking right now that as anyone that would be here that would not know you, God, reveal yourself to them through, through an appetite for your word supernaturally change them let them see you high and lifted up glorify you God you are worthy of all glory in Jesus name Lord I come right now in agreement with those that may have a fearful mindset of the future and God I'm asking that you would calm that storm that you would give them the perspective that they need to continue going forward God I ask for your delivering power to rest upon your children to to rest upon their situations. Father, we put all of our faith and confidence in your abilities to do whatever it is that you want to do in our life. And God, we glorify you in the good and the bad. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, guys, if anybody needs prayer, we'll be up here and we'd love to pray for you. Have a safe night.